mornings. I'm Chris Oaks. And coming up today, Raise the Bar, Hancock County has once again secured a grant from the State Office of Workforce Transformation, important funding to support continued economic growth in the coming year. Also this morning, speaking of jobs, analysts view a cooling labor market as a good sign for the economy, although anyone looking for work might not agree. What is the employment outlook for 2024? We'll take a closer look. And less than a week until Christmas, we'll tell you how to avoid the trap of last-minute overspending in the panic to finish up your shopping list. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Tuesday, December 19th, 2023. Big news, among the first things you need to know this morning, big news, Pope Francis approved a ruling that will allow same-sex couples to receive blessings from the Catholic Church under certain conditions. Vatican announced the landmark decision yesterday saying that priests can give the blessings if they are not given as part of regular church rituals. Instead, Blessings can be given during visits to a shrine, a meeting with a priest, or during a pilgrimage. Um, And it is not to be construed with a same-sex marriage, but a blessing on the union. Uh, For some, that may seem like splitting hairs, but the Pope first opened the door to the possibility of blessings for same-sex couples back in October. The Vatican saying the blessings are a sign that God welcomes all. So, I don't know. Uh, it's kind of interesting. There's been a, uh, a an interesting reaction among Catholics around the world uh, to that uh, decree by the Pope. But big news. Uh, some of the other first things you need to know this morning, the most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day. Uh, I guess yesterday in uh, the Senate... Um, Republican Senator Marsha Blackburn and Democrat Senator Tammy Duckworth jointly introduced the Salon Stories Act. The Salon Stories Act. It is a push to have salon workers trained to spot signs of domestic violence. This is an interesting uh, idea. The bill would provide grant money to states that make it a requirement for aspiring cosmetologists to take domestic violence prevention courses in order to obtain their licenses. Uh, Senator Duckworth says salons are a safe space and hairstylists are in a position that allows them to see some physical traits of abuse, such as bruising and so on. And uh, it's an interesting uh, idea. They've uh, introduced the salon... What do they call it? The Salon Stories Act in Congress. I don't know if it'll go anywhere. We're getting awful close to the uh, end of the legislative session, but it is an interesting idea. Uh, let's see. Some of the other uh, most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day. This is definitely a buzzworthy story. When I saw this on the uh, Newswire, I thought this is uh, really interesting. A story about a woman who switched careers from being a Wall Street accountant earning six figures. Now she is working as a professional escort and she is earning, get this, $34,000 a week, a week 
during the holiday season. Mia Lee is her name. She's 35 years old, tells Business Insider that her peak season is normally the first two weeks of December when wealthy men looking for a professional girlfriend are willing to fork over as much as $3,000 for just two hours of her time as a professional escort. Ms. Lee told the reporter for Business Insider, I think it's a combination of the cold weather and holiday parties that bring out more clients because you don't want to go, and you want to go with someone on your arm. You're going to the uh, holiday party. Um, she also said a decent number of the men that hire her don't really like spending time with their families, so they're looking for an escape. All right. It's a little less... Um, a little less seemly there. Um, she says much of her income is generated by private dancing sessions at one of Manhattan's strip clubs, as well as luxurious weekend getaways. So $34,000 a week during the holiday season. It's not just retailers that are raking in the big bucks during the Christmas season, apparently. That's, <laughs> that's what I take away from that. That's right. $34,000 a week. My goodness. Uh, So we are coming up on the holiday, and you will have, I'm sure, lots of family gatherings, lots of dinners, right? At least one. I think, what did we have the story the other day is uh, three, the average American has three holiday dinners. You've got your own, uh, your families, and then your in-laws. So it's like three on average. Etiquette coach William Hansen has divided the internet ahead of the Christmas season by saying that pouring gravy from a gravy boat is not proper. Yeah, Uh, so you got the gravy boat, right? And it's got a spout on it. It's got a handle and it's got a spout. But he says, no, you should not pour the gravy from a gravy boat. Instead, you ladle the gravy with the with the ladle, you take the ladle and place it on the meat or on the potatoes that you are seasoning, and then you rest the ladle in the spout. The stem of the ladle rests in the spout. That's the proper way. Uh, this uh, TikTok video that he posted has gone viral. He's an etiquette coach. Um, William Hansen, his name, the uh, TikTok that he posted has now gone viral with commenters pointing out that the gravy boat has a spout and a handle, but doesn't come with a ladle. When you buy a gravy boat, you don't get a ladle with it. So another commentator, though, felt validated in the way that they have always uh, handled the uh, dessert or the the gravy, uh, saying, I have always put a ladle in my gravy boat every year, at Thanksgiving and at Christmas for as long as I can remember. And now I know I'm doing it right. So, you know, discuss that amongst yourselves. But that is the uh, big, uh, big controversy, the big discussion, the big debate going on ahead of Christmas festivities. Dinner with your, your family. Pour the gravy from the gravy boat or ladle it out. Well, I suppose there are worse arguments that we can get into. I mean, if that's the worst argument that we're going to have... <laughs> At Christmas dinner, and I think we're doing, I think we're doing okay. Um, right after that, we'll be segueing from Christmas into New Year's and your New Year's resolutions. Are you starting to think about 
what your resolution is going to be? Well, this is good information to know because it won't be long after making your New Year's resolution that you will be breaking it and you'll be looking for a reason (laughs) to excuse yourself for breaking it. If you are looking for an excuse to ditch your resolution, according to research from City University of London, I'm broke is a better excuse than I'm busy. When people blame circumstances outside their control, others retain more respect for them. The study asked participants to rank various excuses and found that when someone claims not to have had time to complete their uh, promised task, they were suspected of having less self-control. But when someone blamed finances, they were not judged so harshly. So, I'm broke is a better excuse than I'm busy. I just want to let you know that ahead of uh, resolution season, New Year's resolution season, and more importantly, New Year's resolution breaking season. So, which is right around the corner. And lastly, among the first things you need to know this morning, the most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day, I love this story because it's always fun to have uh, an item here with a happy ending. Mary Hargis of Lynchburg, Virginia, and especially uh, great to hear stories like this right around the holiday season. Mary Hargis of Lynchburg, Virginia, won a $100,000 lottery uh, prize after stopping to buy donuts for her kids on her way home from work. She uh, stopped by the, she stopped by a sheets store and uh, picked up some donuts for her kids. She also purchased a $10 print and play um, money ticket and uh, she won $100,000 the uh, the lottery jackpot. a hundred k She said the unexpected windfall will be used to pay for a new car and take care of her family. She expressed disbelief at the unexpected turn of events. Said she never imagined she would be cashing in a wintry, uh, winning lottery ticket a week before Christmas. A hundred thousand dollars. Uh, you just you uh, fortune of good circumstances there. And you know what that tells me? I uh, I love it when good things happen to good people. But more than anything, you know what this story tells me? That uh, eating healthy is overrated. <laughs> Think about it. She wasn't stopping to pick up a salad for her kids. <laughs> she was stopping to pick up donuts for her kids and won $100,000. That's karma right there. That that are the uh, that's the cosmic universe saying that um, you know, don't don't feed your kids kale. That's <laughs> that's that's what that's telling me. There you go. Some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Tuesday morning started. WFIN News. I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather, partly to mostly sunny today with a high in the mid-30s, partly cloudy tonight, a low in the upper 20s. The Finley Police Department says a man was struck by a vehicle and killed while trying to cross Interstate 75 on foot. It happened Sunday night on Interstate 75 near West Trenton Avenue. Police say the 51-year-old from Coldwater, Michigan, climbed over the guardrail at the southwest corner of I-75 and West Trenton Avenue and then tried to cross the interstate and was struck by a northbound car. Hank OEMS and the Finley Fire Department responded in addition to police, but the man suffered fatal injuries at the scene. No citations were issued. The crash remains under investigation. The state of Ohio says marijuana is still not allowed to be used in bars and restaurants. 
The Division of Liquor Control and the Department of Public Safety say Issue 2 allowed for legalized use of marijuana, but it did not alter its status as a controlled substance. Because of this, it is illegal for it to be used within bars and restaurants. If they do, they could be subject to fines or even a revocation of their liquor license. I'm Lindsay Mills. A judge in the northeast Ohio city of Parma has handed down an interesting sentence to a woman who threw her order at a worker at a Chipotle. Now the judge says he will credit for 60 days of prison time if she works in a fast food restaurant for at least 20 hours a week. So I thought, why should the city taxpayers pay for her and feed her for 90 days in jail if I can teach her a sense of empathy? After the work, Hain will still need to serve 30 days in jail. I'm Yolanda Harris. Children's Mentoring Connection of Hancock County will be celebrating its 50th anniversary in 2024 and wants to hear your stories. I went to check my email and got a lovely surprise of a picture of a mentor and mentee from years ago who had got together over the Thanksgiving holiday and just sent me a snapshot. So that's what we want to see. Children's Mentoring Connection Executive Director Stacy Shaw was on with WFIN's Chris Oaks. Get more on our website. And remember, you can always get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. So our cover story this morning, last week, we learned that Raise the Bar Hancock County once again secured a grant from the State Office of Workforce Transformation Important funding to support continued economic growth in the coming year. Trisha Valesque is uh, director of Raise the Bar, Hancock County. And uh, help me out here, Trisha. This is the ISP grant. What does this uh, stand for here? <laughs> Industry Sector Partnerships. It's okay. another one of our wonderful acronyms around <laughs> the world. Um, yeah, so basically it's partnerships that involve policymakers, business, employers, and education providers kind of co-designing solutions around workforce. And this is uh, the fourth time. You're like four for four on this uh, on this grant, uh, right? And if, and if memory serves, it, it was uh, this uh, grant money that uh, provided the, the, the seed money, the uh, initial funding to launch uh, Raise the Bar Hancock County, was it not? Well, we are four for four. Our initial funding all came from five different partners in, in the city and county. Okay. But this has been funding us for the past four cycles of it, so about four years of funding. Um, I think the first one truly came right after COVID, like so okay. mid-2020. Yeah. But well, it has been a huge help to us to continue the work that we're trying to do. That's what I really was uh, was going to ask about. How critical is this funding in, uh, for your continued operation? Is this is without this funding, would you be able to do what you do? This has really accelerated it, the work that we're doing. We do require a match. The state requires that funding. So we have still this different players here in our community who are still investing in our work in addition to what we're earning through these grants. But the grants are allowing us to move much faster and farther than we could on just what we were accumulating locally. And so we we definitely have taken tremendous strides in growing our reach in the types of programs that we're offering and also just being able to, you know, be one of the leaders in Northwest Ohio around workforce and talent development. How so? Talk a little bit about, for those who aren't familiar, what this funding 
uh, allows you to do and and what it is that you do with respect to um, this is one of those public private partnerships we often hear about. That is a great way to put this. Yes, that money it really is honed in on helping regions of our state of Ohio focus on certain industries and certain jobs that are very in demand. And here in Northwest Ohio, especially in Hancock County, most of our jobs are around transportation, warehousing, logistics, and manufacturing. So for over the years, we have been focusing on helping the employers develop new ways to recruit individuals, training individuals to get into the workforce, really making a concerted effort of aligning like employer needs back into the K-12 school system, working very heavily with Millstream Career Center, working with the colleges, kind of organizing everyone to understand that there's a way in a process to maybe develop people for certain jobs, whether they need a degree or not a degree, mm-hmm. and then executing programs that make those those outcomes happen. And so I know you have... Really well, I was going to say, I know you have in this mission uh, a number of partnerships ranging from mm-hmm. local employers to uh, economic development to uh, this, the, all of the, the, the schools and, and uh, uh, learning institutions and so on. Again, bringing all of these entities together in that mission. Yeah, we're extremely robust. When I look at partnerships that are what are considered industry sector partnerships around the state of Ohio, most of them focus exclusively on manufacturing. They have manufacturing as part of their title. Mm -hmm. Whereas Raise the Bar, you know, we focus on all industry sectors. We're trying to support all of the employers in our community because it's the system of all of them together that makes Finley and Cat County as unique and rich as we are. And so, you know, we... While we focus on manufacturing, because that's where a majority of the jobs are locally, that doesn't mean that the work that we're doing, we are highlighting every uh, career cluster. That's a a buzzword out there. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're taking teachers into different workplaces, exposing them to what their students will graduate and get into. And we're just kind of going about that whole process of, again, it's it's learning what to, across the board, our employers kind of need. And it's the soft skills. It's some of the technical skills. But it's mostly that employability aspect of an individual. And we're finding ways to create that employability within people. I, I was going to bring that up. So I'm glad you mentioned it. Uh, as you talk about the, the fact that most of the uh, opportunities and a lion's share of what you do involves uh, things like logistics, warehousing, transportation, et et cetera, here in in Hancock County. Um, Those aren't the only areas of uh, opportunity outside. Are the the opportunities outside of uh, of those career opportunities sort of an area for growth as we look ahead into the coming year? Those opportunities uh, that can be even more broadly exploited? Well, there are a lot of foundational occupations that we need in this community, mm-hmm. which means we last year we focused a little bit more on the social work side, okay. um, trying to make sure that we have those health and human services support individuals because we all come with challenges every single day. Some of us have more barriers to work than others. And when we have a strong social work network, we can serve more people. And there's always a shortage. We also... You know, you can't have people ready for the workforce if there aren't teachers teaching them along the way. Mm -hmm. 
So we also focused very heavily on trying to understand how do we get more people excited about the education world. Uh, We're working on this as a statewide initiative with other partnerships to help make sure that we have instructors, especially for healthcare. But again, like we have some of these foundational positions that if they don't exist, then the rest of our network of occupations doesn't exist. So it does take focusing on workforce from all angles. And it's something that, you know, with the state funding, we are able to look at it from multiple perspectives and figure out where do we put our attention, what's most in demand, what's rising as the years go on. We're looking at data, data, data. And with this next round of funding, we're going to be putting together a data dashboard where we're kind of bringing in the data that the state of Ohio, maybe federal data has um, different platforms and trying to make it specific to Hancock County so we can better understand who are the people who will someday be our employees, who are our current employees, and where are we heading just as a society with occupations, with jobs, with um, our economy, so that we can be ready to prepare people for those jobs. That being said, the timing of this uh, funding is absolutely critical, uh, as we mentioned, to support continued economic growth that we are seeing in the coming year. Most notably, the first thing that jumps to mind uh, mm-hmm. is the uh, new Sheets expansion that is uh, that is coming to town and so on. So this will allow uh, for more of those programs to help support those efforts uh, in, in terms of economic development. Yeah, you know... All of our employers are absolutely vital to us. We have amazing employers who are already here, and then we have more employers that are choosing to come here. And it's taking a whole team effort in order to make sure that we have the quantity of employees that we need in order to make sure that everyone can operate to the capacity that they are expecting to operate in Hancock County, but then making sure that they're quality, um, that they are well-trained, that they show up to work, that they are enthusiastic about their work, that there's a good partnership blend between the employer and the employee so that everyone has gainful employment and is is happily living on the wages that they're earning. I do want to ask you about this because uh, I I think it's interesting... Raise the Bar Hancock County not uh, not alone in uh, securing these grants. They go to uh, entities all over the uh, state of Ohio. And uh, I would imagine four years ago, uh, the competition for these grants is not what it is uh, now here four years later. The, the competition has tightened as more of these programs uh, have been developed around the state. Do you see, for example, I, I think uh, uh, in Fostoria, there is another uh, ISP uh, grant awarded just mm-hmm. nearby. So uh, a number of these uh, grants being uh, awarded other places around the state as well. Do you see that as, as competition uh, or uh, for, for funding? Or how do you view the growth of, of similar programs elsewhere around the state, even relatively nearby? It's, you know, Ottawa, Putnam County, they too received some funding this time. Mm-hmm. I think what's great is we're all kind of working in the same direction when we're all targeting the same industry. So with manufacturing, it's really important for Raise the Bar to partner with Putnam County, with the Tiffin Seneca partnership as well, just to make sure we're all kind of trying to do the same programs but not competing with each other to mm-hmm. get the talent. Um, but when it comes to the competition of the funding, I think Raise the Bar in our, and Hancock County just is in a very, very strong position to be a consistent recipient. We have, you know, we leverage the different resources that exist locally and around the state 
We, as Raise the Bar, we co-lead the Business Advisory Council on behalf of the school districts that the state requires. We have so many connections to the different statewide programs that, you know, the state would love to maximize that Raise the Bar is already doing and or we're connected with people who are doing it. So we're in a much, we're in a great position. And when we do see these other rising partnerships around the state of Ohio, they are getting some of the seed funding through the state's grants. It'll take them just as much time as it did for Raise the Bar to get going because you have to become that one entity in the community that's credible with respect and is really tasked with leading the charge on workforce development like Raise the Bar has become. So we're privileged to be this leader in our community for this funding. And it's not really, I don't really see it as the competition. Uh, the DeWine Houston administration has been extremely generous with making sure that there is funding for workforce development at the local level, which is essential, um, because we know our communities, we know what we need. And so as long as they're in administration and, and they're leading the budget talks, you know, we're really hopeful to continue receiving money for a few more years. Again, Tricia Velasquez, director of Raise the Bar, Hancock County. Once again, uh, grant recipient of the, uh, these ISP grants from the uh, State Office of Workforce Transformation. If you want to learn more about Raise the Bar, Hancock County, and what it is they do, we've got it linked up at our webpage, goodmornings.net. Tricia, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Oh, appreciate it. Thank you, Chris. Well, by most measures, the labor market continues to chug along. The unemployment rate is very low. Companies still hiring at a pretty robust pace. But there are signs of a slowdown. The number of job openings is a bit lower. Private sector hiring has eased more than expected. And, of course, there have been some high-profile layoffs announced in the past couple of weeks. So what is the state of the hiring market? And how should job seekers approach their search in 2024? Rob Hosking is a career and workplace expert for the talent solutions firm Robert Half. And Rob, you say you actually expect hiring to pick back up again in the first half of the new year? Yes, and uh, I've been doing this for almost three decades, and uh, I'm very optimistic about the hiring outlook in 2024. Uh, And I would say that's supported by three things. Our our State of the U.S. hiring report shows that almost 60% of companies plan to add new full-time jobs and 39% for vacated jobs which is really exciting news if you're looking for a new role. And then on the contract side, almost 70% of respondents plan to hire more contract workers. And those companies that paused projects in 2023 are resuming those projects. So it's happening already, and uh, we anticipate it'll certainly carry through uh, well into the new year. Proof of this is in our, our full report at uh, roberthalf.com. Now, uh, as many people know, and this has been one of the storylines uh, as uh, reports about the labor market over the course of the past year, a cooling job market is actually viewed as a good thing in the sense that it reduces inflationary pressure. So I'm guessing that there are some policymakers who would like for all of this not necessarily to happen. The bottom line, does that is it a good time to be in the job market? Yes, yes. If you are looking for a, a new opportunity and uh, and certainly you know some advice um, for those that may be uh, looking for that next role, uh, you know we would always recommend that you take a step back and reflect: Is it right for me? So starting with taking inventory um, of your current situation, and I talk to workers every day and I ask them about: you know, Are they happy? Um, what would make you happy? Um, and is now the right time for you to make a move? 
And I'd encourage everyone to ask themselves those questions. Start there. And then reach out to personal, professional contacts to better understand what is happening in your local market. And then finally, turn to a staffing firm. They know the market better than anyone, and they can help you get what you want, um, whether it's a it's an increase in salary or it's a better culture or flexible work. This has been uh, the year when artificial intelligence has burst onto the scene in just about every industry. So I want to ask you about that as well. How are job seekers and employers, for that matter, uh, how are both sides uh, deploying or using AI, and are they using it appropriately? Yes. Most frequently, we see this in cover letters and resumes, um, but also nothing beats the human touch, and AI is truly only a tool, so it's one of the tools um, to use in your job search. But put your resume through AI and see the optimized results but make sure to review carefully and edit the results to ensure that it's accurate. And it's also important that you customize your cover letter um, and resume for each uh, opportunity as well. Um, one area that AI can assist with, though, is company culture. And uh, job seekers should always try to be genuine and showcase their personalities, which can't be really predicted by AI. So show how you can fit into the company culture and uh and those values as well. I, I'll tell you that it's, I, I find very interesting that many workers are telling us they fear their jobs may go away um, because of AI, um, but we do see that AI is actually creating roles as well. And while some skills may change and, and, uh, uh, and potentially go away, jobs are being enhanced as a result of AI as well. Well, it's interesting you mentioned that because uh, it's something that we've talked about in the past. This is not necessarily new uh, fears over evolving technology. I mean, robotics in manufacturing uh, was a big concern, and you heard a lot of those same things. And uh, obviously, while it's changed the industry, it has not necessarily eliminated humans from the manufacturing process. Absolutely right. In the the Labor Department uh, report that we kind of referenced earlier, the quits rate has remained steady for the past several months and did so in uh, remain steady in this latest report as well. For those who are in that boat, who are feeling burnt out or disengaged at work and feel as though they don't just want a new challenge, but they need uh, a, a new environment. Should they be looking for a new job right now or should they just sit tight? What is your advice? So definitely if, if people are feeling um, burnt out, and I certainly see and, and believe that uh, many people are uh, right now and, and for a variety of reasons, whether it's increased workloads or you know, companies are doing more with less, so more uh, kind of falling on the team that exists, longer hours uh, in many cases. If you're feeling burnt out, you're definitely not alone. Um, but before jumping ship, really important to ask yourself, have I taken the time to really assess why am I feeling this way? And is it possible to get back on track in my current role? Um, this is also a good time of the year, if you can, to relax and recharge. So take a step back and really think it through um, and, and decide, is now the right time to make that career move? Um, but um, if you're still feeling like it is and you really want to embark on that search uh, in 2024, there's close to 10 million job openings currently, and companies are expecting to bring in more workers um, to their teams in the new year as well. So uh, take the time to reflect, 
once you decide opportunity to uh, to jump in, and there's definitely opportunity there. Again, Rob Hosking is a career and workplace expert for the talent solutions firm Robert Half, talking about the uh, employment outlook, the jobs outlook as we head into 2024. And you referenced your latest report, your latest data on all of this. Where can folks go uh, to learn uh, more about that? Yes, uh, you can visit roberthalf.com, and that, that is for all of the latest hiring and salary trends. Or reach out to one of our experts to help you land your dream job. Rob, thanks very much for taking the time. Here's to a good 2024. We appreciate it. Thank you very much. Information that makes a difference. Good mornings with Chris Oaks on 1330 WFIN, WFIN.com and 95.5 FM. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. You remember yesterday when we said we had kind of a light day in the broken news? Well, apparently the dumb criminals are making up for lost time today. Um, Jennifer Middleton, a housekeeper in Florida, was arrested and charged with illegal use of credit cards, fraud impersonation, and exploitation of an elderly person. According to the uh, news reports, this is... um, I guess uh, in the Orlando area, Ms. Middleton allegedly stole her employer's Wells Fargo credit card from his wallet and made unauthorized purchases totaling more than $1,000 at various stores. Uh, Last month, the victim who had hired Ms. Middleton just a few days prior noticed the charges and found it suspicious, leading to the investigation that uh, uncovered the theft. Ms. Middleton admitted to taking and using the credit card without permission during an interview with police. She uh, posted a bond and has been released from jail. But I mean, just a few days after getting this job, she steals this guy's uh, credit card. She goes on a shopping spree. <laughs> like, like you didn't know, or he wouldn't notice that uh, that would be missing. You know, that's... Uh, let's see here. This uh, from San Francisco, where restaurant owner Ken Lowe claims that someone stole $5,000 worth of Wagyu beef from his restaurant. Surveillance footage shows people looking through the Ave Wasabi freezers, Ave Wasabi uh, restaurant, the freezers uh, last week, early on Thursday morning. It appears the thieves decided to invade the restaurant after unsuccessfully trying to rob a nearby Apple store. <laughs> well, they couldn't get into the Apple store to steal the electronics, so let's go steal some food instead. Uh, Wagyu beef, I mean, that's, that's $5,000 worth, so what, two pounds? That's, that's not cheap. Wagyu beef. Um, on Sunday, a second restaurant, uh, also owned by Mr. Lowe, was also broken into in the second robbery. The alleged thieves made off with only five bucks. So, <laughs> five thousand dollars worth of beef. If somebody comes up to you on the uh, street, says, "Hey, you want to buy some Wagyu beef?" <laughs> I got some going cheap for you. It's probably uh, not a not in the up and up. <clears throat> That's what we've come to in this country. Uh. <laughs> Speaking of uh, dumb criminals, uh, a Texas man has learned the hard way that what you share on social media has real-world consequences. 
Uh, Buell Smiley is his name. Buell Smiley. Wow. What a name. Apparently, he has a penchant for posting anti-government rants on social media and recently encouraged people to blow up critical infrastructure. Yeah, that will attract attention of law enforcement or uh, authorities. There were also pictures posted online showing his collection of guns. Problem is that Mr. Smiley is a convicted felon <laughs> and is not allowed to own guns. Uh, the FBI raid of his home in suburban San Antonio turned up a small arsenal. A judge has sentenced him to five years in federal prison for being a felon in possession of a firearm. Oh, <laughs> uh, what would we do without social media? This is... Uh, by the way, speaking of uh, the online world having real-world consequences, two people in southern Utah are now facing charges for allegedly trying to sell things that they stole online. <laughs> Police say the uh, pair were taken to jail earlier this month after being accused of listing a telescope and other items that were reported stolen by the National Park Service. Uh, all of the stuff valued at about $6,000, and police found all of the items inside one of the suspect's cars. Both were charged with a count of theft by receiving stolen property in excess of $5,000. So, <laughs> how often does that happen where uh, people are uh, arrested, found and arrested, all because they're selling their stolen stuff online? That's, that's not too bright. And a couple of other items here from the uh, broken news uh, story out of Florida where police have seen just about everything, but they were still left shaking their heads after a search for someone who had been banging on a person's door uh, led them to a man sitting in his car with a parrot on his shoulder. So here's the story in uh, Washington County, Florida. Uh, the sheriff's office got a call from a resident said somebody's banging on my door. And so they sent out a deputy, and uh, they located 23-year-old Timothy Brandon Bowers, who had several weapons in the car. Um, police actually had to use a taser on Mr. Bowers, who was non-compliant when asked to exit the vehicle. Uh, the cops said he was combative. Eventually, he fessed up that there was nothing wrong with him. He was just high on mushrooms. Nothing wrong with me. I'm just high. <laughs> a further inspection of Mr. Bauer's car turned up several illegal items. Um, Mr. Uh, Mr. Bauer was uh, was taken to an area hospital for evaluation and then transported to the local jail. The parrot was taken to the local animal control office. <laughs> animal control shelter. <laughs> Alrighty. Nothing wrong with me. I'm just high. Well, that makes everything okay then, I guess. And finally, in the uh, broken news, this is the best story. You talk about poetic justice. <laughs> Love this story. Out of Commerce City, Colorado. The three robbers who knocked off a check cashing service uh, hightailed it out of the place after robbing the, the check cashing location only to find that some other crook had stolen their getaway car. 
<laughs> in an ironic twist, an unexpected and ironic twist, as the trio was robbing the business, a fourth criminal stole their getaway vehicle, which they suspect was already stolen to begin with. This according to a report from the Commerce City Police Department. As expected, the report elicited a number of amusing respondents, respondents, uh, responses on uh, social media on Facebook, to which the uh, police department replied, we just can't make this stuff up. <laughs> they talking about a perfect plan gone very bad. <laughs> they, they robbed the check cashing store only to find that their getaway car had been stolen. And I tell you, crime these days is just out of control. Even the criminals are victims. There you go. Uh, that is today's broken news report. Update on the odd and unusual side of the headlines. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. WFIN has something very special for you this Christmas. We've put together a collection of old-time radio Christmas programs for your holiday enjoyment. And we've got the big names. Jack Benny, Bing Crosby, Red Skelton, and more. WFIN's old-time radio Christmas presented by Pete's Auto Service. A complete schedule of all shows with airtimes is available at WFIN.com. Join us for our old-time radio Christmas specials Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. 1330 WFIN, WFIN.com, and now at 95.5 FM. Time now for your daily download, the numbers behind the news, and the statistics that shape our lives. Uh, so, before too long, I'm going to be doing those uh, holiday gatherings, maybe this weekend or you know, on, on Monday, your Christmas gathering with the, uh, with the family. The average American will begin cooking the Christmas dinner at 9.36 a.m., According to a new poll of 2,000 U.S. adults, it takes about three hours total to prep the entire meal, and the ideal time to start holiday dinner is 3.45 p.m. So I thought it was kind of interesting. Uh, we're starting on average at 9.36 in the morning. It only takes three hours. No reason to get up early. No reason to get up early. 3.45 p.m. is the ideal time to start holiday dinner. Uh, the average family will have three days of leftovers <laughs> after Christmas dinner. 38% of respondents say they are most creative with their dishes during the holiday season. Um, according to the folks who did this poll, and I don't know who, where this uh, poll actually came from, it just said, food is more than the meal on your plate. It is the nostalgia of family recipes. It is the shared experience with loved ones and its memories created to be treasured. Well, the Christmas crunch is here these final few days when people are desperate to finish off their shopping list and may be more susceptible to blowing their budget. So to help us avoid that last-minute overspending, we are joined by Shika Narula, Managing Director of Bank of America. And Shika, the trap that I have uh, a tendency to fall into myself is that at this point, I'm kind of panicking about not being able to find something for someone on the list and then when i do find something either not thinking about the cost or just gritting my teeth and paying it anyway so how do we stay responsible and stay within our financial limits when we have these last minute pressures 
Yeah, Chris. So what I'll say there is, you know, it is very easy to get swept away in the excitement of holiday shopping, especially if these are your loved ones that you're buying gifts for. Um, so it's even more important as you get to that tail end of holiday shopping to make sure you stay within your shopping budget. Um, you know, the items that you've said or the, you know, the people that you've put on your list and that you're buying uh, gifts for, make sure you're staying within the dollar limits that you've assigned for each one of those. Because remember, there's some of the overlooked purchases that you also need to make like year-end tips that you're going to give out. So, yeah. you know, even more important towards the end of the shopping season to stay uh, within the shopping budget. So what are some of the trends that you have seen so far this holiday shopping season? And especially as we look to uh, the new year, uh, we plan for all of the end of year shopping and, and looking ahead a little bit. Yes, the trends that we're observing, you know, consumers have had a head start to their holiday shopping this year. Uh, what we're seeing in our data that is that they started shopping earlier this year than, than usual. Um, the peak holiday shopping weekend, which goes from Thanksgiving um, to Cyber Monday, mm-hmm. um, you know, we saw that purchases on debit and credit cards was up 5% year on year. And, you know, some of the categories where we saw notable lifts included clothing stores, because stores. Um, consumers also are purchasing um, or spending more on experiences. So they're making their air travel bookings, their cruise bookings. Um, they are uh, booking, uh, buying event tickets. Um, and then the other notable trend we're observing is online shopping. Um, in a survey that we did, 93% people told us that they're going to do at least part of their shopping online this year. So, yeah, you know, those are some of the trends we're observing. So a big spike in that first weekend now we're coming up on the final weekend uh before the holiday we expect uh, another similar big spike for all of those last minute shoppers yeah, we do tend to see that in our data. You know, uh, it tapers off a little bit uh, during, uh, you know, uh, the early part of December coming out of the peak mm-hmm. sh- uh, shopping weekend, but then it just spikes again significantly yeah. towards the tail end. And so far, we're seeing um, things are tracking to that trend. Yeah. Uh, so with that in mind, the reality is for all of the reminders about staying on budget and all of that, after the shopping season is over... We look back and say, ooh, we did spend a little bit more than we expected. How do we get our finances back on track as we head into the new year? Yeah, so my advice would be, you know, start the new year uh, by refreshing your budget. Uh, Again, in the survey that we did, we found that 48% of the people are planning to create a budget going into the next year, and they're planning to stick with it. Um, You know, a very good budgeting method that people can use uh, is the 50-30-20 method, uh, which means, um, you know, their after-tax income, the first 50% they should set aside to cover off on any essential needs, uh, such as making making their rent payments or utility bill payments. The next 30% they should uh, set aside for any discretionary purchases, and this would be things like dining out. Um, And the last 20%, they really need to be setting aside uh, and put into savings. Um, The other strategy people can use, it's called the no-spend strategy. Um, So, you know, a very good way to get your finances back on track at times is just to do a very hard reset. And what that means is 
in the new year for a period of time, stop making any non-essential purchases. So those are just some good ways to get um, your finances back on track in 2024. What are some of the uh, top, since we're talking uh, about looking ahead into the new year, what are some of the top financial resolutions that folks are focused on as we head into 2024? Yeah, the top resolutions people are making, um, you know, they include increasing their savings as they go into the new year. Mm-hmm. Uh, it includes paying off credit cards uh, as well as savings uh, for emergency funds. So not altogether unique. I mean, a lot of those uh, things are uh, goals that many we see many people set every year. What kind of tools are available then to help folks meet those goals into the new year? Yeah, I think, you know, as you think about increasing savings, which is the top resolution, there are a lot of automatic savings tools that are available to people. Uh, There are spare change programs where, you know, uh, families can just collect spare change and set it aside for rainy day at Bank of America. Uh, We have our keep the change program uh, where we round up the price of, uh, you know, every purchase that you make on your debit card to the next nearest dollar. And the incremental money is just um, automatically added into a savings account. Um, you know, there are other automatic transfer methods where on a weekly, monthly basis, you can move some of the money from your paycheck automatically into a savings account. Uh, or there's the Bank of America Life Plan tool that's available that you can use um, to set your near-term and long-term financial goals um, to help you stay on track. Some basic first steps toward working toward that uh, 50-30-20 rule that you were mentioning earlier. Maybe you can't do that from day day one, but if you make those incremental uh, steps, then eventually you'll get there. Again, uh, Shikha Nagrula is uh, Managing Director of Bank of America. Where do we get more information, more advice, more resources on all of this? Yeah, you can go uh, to Better Money Habits website uh, that has a lot of information available about some of the tips that I talked about, as well as a lot of incremental tips that uh, people can use um, as they prepare for the new year. Very good. Shagana Rula, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Happy holidays. Thank you for having me, and happy holidays to you. And that will finish up our podcast for today. I want to thank all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning. Remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each and every day on the show at our webpage. Check us out online at goodmornings.net. Coming up tomorrow on the program, road's going to be packed for the holidays, and you don't want to be the one driver they're all trying to avoid. And some reminders about staying safe behind the wheel this Christmas and New Year's. So until tomorrow morning, that is good mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. Catch you back here tomorrow.